Hey, thanks for joining us here on The House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about The House, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download The House app. Have a seat. We are so glad that you are here. Welcome to The House. I believe that you are not here by accident. Thank you for making a choice to sit under the Word. Man, if we're not careful, there will be a lot of ideologies, a lot of philosophies that we sit under. And here's the thing. They all sound good. They'll all tickle your ears. They'll all make you go, huh, that, that, that kind of makes sense. But it, listen, but it won't work. It won't work. And so us actually surrendering to sit under the word actually begins to produce some things in our life. And it does. Listen, the Word challenges us. It encourages us. It gives us hope. It gives us hope. Listen, our hope can't come from our efforts. Our hope has to come from who He is in our lives. And He's been the same yesterday, today, and forever. And come on, our hope is in Him that even though it doesn't look good all the time, even though it doesn't, it doesn't, it, it, we're not in a situation that we would love to be in, we believe that God is moving, and this season has an end, and as surely as the sun comes up and it goes down, days change, and so does our season. Come on. Does that make sense? For those watching online, I, I just want to say to you, thank you for staying engaged. We, we love you. We miss you. Uh, it's better in person. We cannot wait to uh, see you, and can't, can't wait to see you soon. Psalms chapter 92, verse 12 through 14, Psalms 92, 12 through 14, says this, the righteous shall flourish, everybody say flourish, like a palm tree and shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of their God. They shall bear fruit in old age. Come on, I don't know about you, but we need to, I just need to tell you, the church does not believe in euthanasia. We don't think that once you turn 70 or 80, you tap out. Uh, come on. I don't know about you, but as long as I'm living, I don't want my best days behind me. Come on, is anybody, anybody over 65 hear what I'm saying? Y'all need to amen me now. We just getting started. We're just getting free. We're just ready to roll. The Bible tells us that if we are planted, we can flourish in old age. And, and, and see, that's, that's the world we live in. They value, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't. We value all ages. But they value the young because they use the young to run fast. But they begin to think that the old doesn't have what it used to have. Come on. I remember watching a video not too long ago that people were mesmerized that Jordan at 40 and 41 was playing basketball. I don't know how he's doing it. And he put up 50 points. Now, obviously, you may not jump as high as you did when you were 11. I'm 46 and I'm like, I don't want to do that. But the, the thing is that as you get older, you shouldn't have to do what you did when you were 20 because you have something called experience. <laughs> Come, on. <laughs> Come on. 
I want to at the I want to see every season of the people in our church and in our life people producing fruit. People saying yes to the call of God on their life. People taking another step, surrendering another idea, surrendering another fear and moving forward. Look at this. They shall be fresh and flourishing. Look at someone and say, you so fresh. Come on. Come on. Some of you felt really awkward doing that. You were like, I don't want to. I don't, I, don't, I don't know about you, but this, this verse gives us three thoughts that you can flourish, you can bear fruit, and you can remain fresh. And I don't know about you, but in a world and a culture that everyone is so heavy and everybody is so starved for, I can only be happy and my anxiety can only go down if my next problem is answered. How do we live in a world knowing that we are going to nav navigate uncertainty and we don't get to control that? The Bible says that if you are planted. So we see in the Bible that he uses a lot of illustrations. He uses sheep. That we are sheep in his pasture. And, and I, I like trees better <laughs> uh, because sheep wander. Have you ever wandered into something you shouldn't have? Come on. And so I believe that he uses these illustrations to begin to teach us something that would be otherwise hidden. That we would just move through life and we would never really identify the fact that sometimes we do wander. We wander in our friendships, in our relationships, in our relationship with the Lord. We make commitments. Come on. We've all been victim of overcommitting and underdelivering. And we wander. And so the good shepherd comes back and says, hey, let's get back on track. Oh, thank God. And don't you love it that the good shepherd doesn't take the cane and beat you, but he just kind of helps you. <laughs> like, like you just kind of, like, like, God has so much patience. Aren't you so glad? And I, I just need to tell you, when you come to church, you're not coming to the principal's office. God is not trying to, to press on you a standard that you cannot live up to. God is trying to help you navigate freedom. And he sent his son, he gave the word, he gave the church, he gave the Holy Spirit, all so that you would have what you need to be victorious in this, come on, Christian walk. But it doesn't mean that sometimes, and I do pray, I pray that when you come to church, you are absolutely encouraged, and then I, I pray that you get your toes stepped on a little bit. You need to. That's what Jesus, Jesus would, would preach, show this incredible grace, and then drop an incredible truth that everybody would go, oh. Oh, oh, that, that kind of burned. <laughs> and, and, and ultimately, we don't, we don't go to church because we like it. Come on, the church is not the same as uh, Chick-fil-A. Like, we don't go, some of y'all need to hear that. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm just going to church again, getting some Christian chicken. I feel like I've just been there in the presence. Listen. We go to church because we sit under the word. It helps communicate things that we may not be thinking about, but it uncovers and unearths thoughts that are hidden in our heart and makes us deal with the fact that are we going to surrender to the word or are we not? That's the beautiful part of it. For us, the house is being built 
by people who are planting roots and becoming strong trees, not bees. Come on, listen. I want to talk a little bit about this. We don't see God calling us to be bees. We see that God is calling us to be trees. What do bees do? They come over here and they're always buzzing around trying to figure out where the best pollen place is. Ooh, look at something's growing over there. And let me take that and let me go over here. And here's the thing. I'm not hating on bees. So when I'm trying to get in your business, <laughs> I'm sorry, that was so lame. But I just, I felt like I just needed to do that. I'm kind of a dad. So I got, get to do dad jokes and you just got to, you got to experience that. Uh, but, but I do think that we are in a culture where we're all trying, the church, not us, but we're trying to find out where the sweet spot is so we can go and extract it. But I, I, I'm telling you that more is accomplished by planting and producing great fruit and being fresh in your life than for being a bee. It just kind of goes around and really doesn't plant any roots. For us, I just want to say thank you to the house, to, to those even watching online that, that you are giving here, that you are planted here, that you are growing here. And I believe that God is doing something in your life and we want you to stay fresh. Fresh, not burdened, not heavy. Not feeling like there's a big whack coming for you every time you walk in. You're going to fail. You're going to fall. You're going to miss it. You're going to blow it. And when you do, we don't act like it didn't happen. We, we in our own home, in our own moment, we repent. We, we don't have to post it on the, for the world to see. Just go to your father who loves you. Say, man, I, I blew it. I humble myself. I surrender. And then let's get back up and let's get back in the game. And let's not deal with 40 years of shame. And let's just start moving. Come on, let's, let's start getting back to what God's called us to do. Does that make sense? Come on, give the Lord some praise. But we got too many believers that ain't fresh. Breath smelling all stanky. Faith smelling all like yesterday. The Bible teaches us at the very beginning of God instituting his kingdom, the begin, how he is beginning to, to, to navigate this, that he shows us that every day we go get the manna. Every day we're working on our soul. Every day we're working on our mind. Every day, well, the, you know, you don't have to go get in the word every day to be a Christian. That's legalism. I, I, we're not saying that you have to get in the Word every day or God doesn't love you or that you're not going to go to heaven. We're saying that you've got to get in the Word every day if you want heaven inside you. Come on, does that make sense? Like if you want the kingdom of heaven and you want the message and you want to activate the Holy Spirit, what does the Holy Spirit activate? He's activated on the Word of God. So you've got to get it in you so that you begin to process it because we are all getting inundated with philosophy every single day. You can't watch a car commercial without it producing a thought in your life. You, you, you can't go to work and work next to someone without it producing a thought in your life. And so I just want to encourage you, stay fresh. Don't get churchy. Don't get crusty. 
Okay? Don't get religious. Don't, don't, don't talk about more about what God did in your life, but you don't know what he's doing in your life. Come on, does that mean? Don't, don't get so crusty that you're like, I know that song. And you practice on your singing, but not on your praise. Come on, does that mean? Like, like, come on, help, help me. Don't, stay fresh. Stay fresh. Stay fresh because I, I believe it is the fresh people that are growing something that is fruitful and flourishing that people look at their life and go, that's what I want. Because in a hard world, you're fresh. Come on. Friday night, we had about 40 people attend um, our freedom night. We have a freedom curriculum, and it's about 9 to 12 weeks. And, and we talked about the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. And I just want you to know that God wants to give us freedom. There is an open heaven, and God wants to move us in freedom, but most of the time, we are the ones. It's our own backgrounds and hurdles and paths that hinder the work of God in our lives, just like when God had great things for the children of Israel, but they were scared of the unknown, and they would have rather stayed in bondage than move toward freedom. But God has freedom from your past. God has freedom from lies. God has freedom from bondage. And listen to this. God even has freedom for your finances. To move in freedom means that you are taking intentional steps. Intentional steps. Matthew chapter 6 verse 21 says this. Look at this. For wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be. Come on, what? Also. So sheep... We are all like sheep. We have gone astray. We, he compares us to trees that we will flourish, bear fruit. Come on, and stay fresh if we are planted. And then there is this example of where our money is and treasure. And wherever our money and treasure is, that is where our heart is. Why do we use money? You, you may not know this, but out of the 39 parables that Jesus spoke, just illustrations, 11 of them were about money. Jesus talked more about money than he did heaven and hell. I am not saying that money is more important than heaven and hell. I'm saying that it was an illustration to help us figure out what's inside of us. Because when Jesus started talking about heaven, I was like, yeah, I want to go. When Jesus was talking about hell, no, I don't want to go. Want to go? I want to go. Okay, well, stop. Okay, you want to go? You don't want to go. Let's talk about your money. Uh, it was something that revealed where we were really at because if we're not careful, we'll amend things that we really don't walk in. And the Bible says in James that we can deceive ourselves by thinking that we're somewhere, but we're not really there. And so we got to actually open this and look at ourselves like in a mirror and begin to address things. Come on, how many of y'all, you, you feel awkward when someone's got the spin in it right there in their day? And you're, they're like, you're like, hey. And you're like, uh. You're in a conundrum because you're like, I want to help you. But if I help you, I'm going to feel weird that you feel weird. I'm going to embrace it. Hey, come on. And you're like, I just found a new best friend because you helped me. God uses money to reveal where our heart really is. For us, I, 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 when we talk about Money, it comes down to trust. 
It reveals something. Well, it's so funny when young couples uh, have, uh, are pregnant and they want to do a reveal. Everybody wants to reveal what they want to reveal when they want to reveal it. And so they plan to reveal. And so the smoke's coming, the blue, the pink, the balloons, the poppage, the whatever. And so we're going to let everybody know we want to reveal something. But there are also things that we don't want to reveal. Like if I said, hey, who'd you vote for? <laughs> there are things that we don't, I don't want to reveal anything. And, and, and sometimes when we begin to talk on the topic of money, it's almost as if we don't want to really reveal where our heart is because then we'll have to deal with it. Have you ever um, done that? Like, like there's a reason. They're coming for somebody. Uh, but it's like when you're at your house and someone just pops over and, knocks on the doorbell and you're like I love it I want to be hospitable the Bible says be hospitable but you ain't going in my bathroom because I'm not ready to reveal come on like there may be some toothpaste in the sink that I was too busy for I was just too busy for today okay I'm just gonna say that there may be some beard shavings and I know that there are a percentage of you that are perfect and you clean up every area but there's the other one of us the real people in life that maybe just maybe we get back to it. And I don't want to reveal that. I guess my, my point is there are five financial lanes that each of us will walk through. Uh, and I believe the Bible shows us in, in different passages of Scripture how to walk and, and move from one stage to the other. I want you to put that up there. We are all in this room. Somebody is struggling. Somebody is just surviving. Somebody is tithing. Somebody is generous. And somebody is extremely generous. Everything that God wants to do in our life is spiritual. It comes down to surrender. And so as we begin to talk about money today, and we begin to talk about tithe today, and we begin to talk about these things, I want you to know that, that you are not more or less anointed if you don't make it too extremely generous. But I would say that there is something that you may not believe. There may be something that... that, that in our society, every society is different. Every nation is different. Does that make sense? But for us, where we live, with the culture that we have, there is a way. And the Bible teaches us that if we will manage the little, we will be rulers over much. If we will manage the little, we will be ruler over much. And I can't tell you how far you will get in your life, but I can tell you that we see people, even America, people have come, immigrants have come, sacrificed. They were struggling, and they worked four or five jobs to give their children a leg up. Come on, does that make sense? And they, the next generation was surviving, and then, and then they began to move. And, and now we have... Senators and congressmen who, who, who are serving America. And all I'm just saying is that I believe that God wants to use the area of finances and that it is, in fact, spiritual. And we're going to lay that out. Come on today.
I want to encourage you to begin to see your finances as spiritual. And I know you're thinking, dang, we should have visited last week. Um, um, but, but I do. I, I, I want to talk about and I want to deal with the fact what makes the wall come up. And, and it, it comes up for a lot of people. If people have been divorced and you start talking about what God says about it, the wall comes up. If people talk about parenting, come on, they talk about parenting and they talk about not exasperating your children and you have a, a, a story where children have been exact, wall comes up. We all have walls that come, come can, can, can we be honest? We all have walls that I don't really want you to touch and I don't really want you to talk on. And so I, I don't want you, I don't want you to talk about abstinence. I don't want you to talk about, I don't want, and, and if we're not careful, then the church will only be able to talk about one or two little things. But freedom comes when we begin to surrender and go, why is my heart hard and why do I resist? Because here's the thing, the very thing we don't want to give God is the very thing he wants to touch. Because this is the very thing that's holding us back from our next step. Come on, is this good? Eleven parables Jesus talks about money. And as we look through these five, we, we see in Scripture that God gives us a way to manage our finances. It is tie 10, save 10, live on 80. Tie 10, the first and the best. Why does God want the first and the best? We have to understand that we are, we seek ye first the kingdom. Everybody say kingdom. So we are in a kingdom. Okay? We are in a kingdom. And G, so it's so funny how the church does this. We, we talk about honoring the king. Oh, yeah. We're going to honor the king. When the king steps in, he had a forerunner. John was the forerunner because a king never comes in unannounced. Does that make sense? John the Baptist came first to announce the king, to point him out, because the, the king never shows up and rolls up. He's announced. And so it's like in all of the other areas we can go, yes, king, yes, king, yes, king. But in a kingdom, you begin to give a portion of your money. Is this true? And there is the protection of the king for his people. And the Bible says that he will rebuke the devourer off of your life. Come on, does that make sense? There is a kingdom. And, and I need, need you to see, and I'm going to un unpack this all through Scripture today, but we tithe 10, the first and best, because it's holy. Then we save 10. Why do we save 10? Because problems and opportunities will come, and saving 10 causes us to prepare in Proverbs chapter 21, verse 20, it says, Precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it all. Come on, here's the deal. Is I believe that we will move from, from struggling to surviving, from surviving to thriving, from thriving to generous, from generous to extremely generous, based on if we manage, listen, what we are given. And so we don't know what's ahead of us. But if you will tie 10, blessing, save 10, future, come on. The Bible actually says that for us to leave an inheritance to our children and to our children's children. 
Well, how can you leave an inheritance if there is no money at the end of the week? So let's talk about this. For us, there are people in the room that everybody likes pizza. People like pizza. I like pizza. You like pizza? We like pizza. Some of y'all can eat at Gasano's. Some of you can't. It's not because you cannot. It's because you're in a season where great value is the pizza you eat. And that's not bad. Listen, But only in a society that compares themselves to one another makes that bad. But the Bible teaches us that we do not compare to one to another. Can I tell you that Katie and I have been on a budget for almost 20 years. And my girls can't get married expecting their husband to produce what it took us to produce over 20. I mean, does it make sense? We've been in 19 years. You can't step to that. It takes time. And so for us, how do we leave an inheritance? Well, that means that we're going to pass a lot of places that we don't stop to eat at. There's always going to be more things that you want. Oh, listen, we need to do this trip, and we need to paint this canvas, and we need to go this hike, and we need to do this, and on my Instagram, I need this, and I need this, and I need this, and I'm saying that you can do it. But many times I meet people who tell me, Pastor, I, I can't afford to tithe. And I'm telling them, you can't afford not to. Because the heart is making choices. And so what do we do if we're, we're overextended and we're maxed monthly? And now you're hearing a message going, hey, you should tithe. And you're like, uh, like I, I can go give you like four quarters out of my car. That's what I can do today. Just like anything, God is wanting surrender and obedience, and it is a faith journey over a long period of time. Come on, and we're getting there, and we're getting there, and we're getting there. But just because you're not there does not mean that we erase the principle. We practice the principle. For many of us in marriage, the man is to give their life for the woman like Jesus gave his life for the church. Well, I'm not there yet. I'm still working on it. I'm still working on giving my life like that. Katie's still working on moments of submission to the hardware. We're, we're working on this. Come on. We're not there yet. But we don't not do any of it because we can't do all of it. We're doing it, and we're working on it, and we're like, yes, God, we know that, and we're working your, you through us so we can get there because we know that your way doesn't come back void. It will, come on, work. It's spiritual. Then we live on 80. Live on 80 means that is the normal expense and the normal budget that we run. And if we are always overextended in our 80, then here's the deal. Our future will not look as bright and the future of the church because part of what God does is he uses money to move the church and ministry forward. That's what he does. So let's look at this. The Bible says that everything is God's, and he allows us to steward it. We are looking through Abram and his story of stewardship. And last week, if you missed it, I, I encourage you to go back. But we talked about how Lot was taken captive, and Abram responded by giving 
318 men to go and save Lot, conquer the four kings of the north, and now he has been victorious in battle, and he's heading home, okay? This is where we're at. Let's look at this. Genesis chapter 14, verse 18 through 24. And Melchizedek, the king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham, the most high possessor of heaven and earth. Abram, by God, the most high possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has delivered the enemies into your hands. And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. First of all, I want to say this. To all of my um, high achievers in the room. People who you may be in the room thinking, I'm not there yet. I got a lot to do. I, there's a lot before me. I think it's awesome that God sometimes sends people into our life to remind us of all the victories. And I'm asking you not to forget your victories. I'm asking you not to forget your moments. I'm asking you to remember what God has done. And don't be so discouraged by where you're not that you forget where you've come from. And, and let me just tell you about the Christian life. It is always feels like it's two steps up and one step back. And the enemy beats us up. You took a step back. But then you got to look at, look at this and go, yeah, but in the last year I've taken 12 steps forward. Like I, I am growing and I'm, I'm not fighting what I used to fight. And I'm, there's more victory in my life. And I am doing what God's called me to do. And sure, I, I messed up. I failed. I responded like an old habit. Some, an old trigger came. I felt some rejection or abandonment or something. But you know what? I took a step back. But I'm not where I started. I'm moving forward. I'm restarting again. I'm starting over. Come on. For all of us. King Melchizedek comes in. And, and immediately states the obvious. Abraham, God has blessed you. Bro, you've been victorious. Look at you winning. And some of you, if your friends do that to you, you'll, be, you'll discredit it. You'll discount it. Oh, man, you're doing great. You're, no, we're not. We're terrible. I am. Your kids are so awesome. No, they're not. Last night, they didn't clean the room. Okay, but... But they're pretty awesome kids. Oh, yeah, they are, but, uh, hey, you're doing great in your job. No, not I hate it. And sometimes we discredit the victories that God is doing, and I believe that we're in a room full of people who've made it through some battles. Come on, have you made it through some battles? Are there people in the room that have conquered some enemies? Anybody ever conquered some enemies that, enemies that thought that they were going to beat them, but they didn't? Are there people in the room that, yes, you've had some winning seasons, and you've got to remember those seasons? Melchizedek honors Abram. He brings out bread and wine. And I know some of you may be thinking, that's so nice. That's so nice. They got a meal. But church, this wasn't just a good gesture. It was signaling the covenant that was going to begin. Melchizedek is mentioned a total of five times in the Bible. Psalms 110, Hebrews 5, 6 through 11, 6 Hebrews 6.20, and most of Hebrews chapter 7. We're not going to turn to all these for time, but I'm just telling you that this is, Melchizedek is a huge figure in the Bible. And, and here's mainly why. Melchizedek was a priest and a king. Okay? 
He was both. And this is the first time that we've seen priest and king. In fact, the only other priest and king is Jesus. It's a type and shadow of Jesus. And just so that you know, there are two priesthoods in the Bible. There is the order of Melchizedek and there is the order of Levi. Why is this important? I'm going to tell you. The order of Levi happened, okay, Jacob, who turned to Israel, had 12 sons. Levi was a tribe, and we know that Moses was asked to deliver the people, okay, to lead the people out of bondage. And after these people made a golden calf, uh, God was like, yo, we need some priests to help these people with the law. And so Aaron stepped in as priest over the law. We're going to atone for when the people break the law. I'm going to teach the law. We're going to oversee the law. Melchizedek is higher. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 7, it says that there was, he had no genealogy. He had no, no beginning. He had no end. And he is a type and shadow of Jesus who doesn't have a beginning and doesn't have an end. And Jesus is from the order of Melchizedek because he is higher than the law. Why is that important? Because the tithe was given not to the law to satisfy the law. It was given to Melchizedek. Listen, and that's why tithe has been established. And we're going to see first fruits all throughout the Bible. For us, the king of Salem, Salem means peace. It's very interesting that Abraham gives a tithe, a tenth of all that he got in his spoils of war. Salem will become Jerusalem. Listen to this. He is giving to the advancement of Jerusalem and doesn't even know it in this moment. When we begin to give, then what happens is it advances the kingdom of God and what the kingdom of God is doing. Hear me. God doesn't need money to move, but he does use money and, and move. Okay, does that make sense? Right now in the evangelical church in America, we are so frustrated by the darkness that we see. Is this true? The way people respond, the way people attack, the way people cancel, cancel people. What we see with the, the eroding of our moral fabric. 3%. That's what the, the church gives as a whole. 3%. If you average all of it up, the church gives 3%. Well, why is that important? Because, let me ask you something. Do we have an issue with the devil being stronger than God? Or do we have an issue with the church not? Come on. Well, what, what are you saying? I'm saying that that 7% starts another orphanage. That 7% takes care of foster children. I'm saying that other 7% begins to do something. And it's a little crazy for us as a church to be critical of what God's doing when we are not doing. Come on. This is 
how the kingdom, one of the ways the kingdom advances is by the first and the best. He was the king of righteousness. Salem was meant peace. And so as we look at this type and shadow of Jesus, Abraham is giving to the priest and giving to the king his first fruits. Why his first fruits? Because this is the first war recorded in the Bible. It's the first battle. And come on, he did something. Abram did something. I may say Abraham, Abram, but I know it's Abram. Okay, just don't, don't send me an email. Um, but I will say this, that it is amazing that upon gaining increase, Abraham gives a tenth. Now, in all the war movies, you see like the Vikings like eating like a leg of meat. All the spoils are on the table. And they're like, <laughs> but Abram does something totally different. Like it's really, like you think about what he invested his own life in men and how he responded. Let's, let's, let's look at this. Let's look at this. Um, Genesis chapter 14, 21 through 24. And the king of Sodom said to Abram, give me the persons, but take the goods for yourself. And Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted my hands to the Lord, the God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, that I would not take a thread or a sandal strap or anything that is yours, lest you should say I made Abram rich. And I will take nothing what, but what the young men have eaten and share with the men who helped me fight this battle. Okay, leave that up there. I want you to see the difference between the two kings. The king of Sodom says, give me. But the king of Melchizedek says, I'm going to bless you. Come on, look at this. The king of Sodom says, give me. But the king of Melchizedek says, I'm going to bless you. And out of that blessing, what does he bring? He brings the bread. He brings the wine. We know that that ties in, come on, to communion. And here's what I need you to see is that God gave first to you. He gave Jesus. He gave life. He gave the Bible. He gave the church. And so there is no place in this word that there is not giving. And so for God's people not to give after they've been given to, is actually a sign of their heart. Come on, does this make sense? So for us, last week we talked about um, uh, four thoughts to embrace in order to be ready to give. I'm going to give you the two from last week just real quick. Uh, you can go back and listen to that on our podcast. Uh, the first one was uh, be diligent in preparation. I, I would encourage you to go back. We really talked about how today matters. And, and how Abraham built today to be ready for tomorrow. And so I would encourage you to go back and read that, uh, listen to that. The second thing is that love is measured in sacrifice. If we're not willing to sacrifice, if we're not willing to surrender, then I don't know sometimes if we can use the word love. And we talked about how culture has redefined the word love to really mean lust. Here's the third, and, and this is what we're going to unpack today, is giving is how you build the next phase of your purpose. Giving is how you unlock the next phase of your purpose. J.L. Kraft said this, the head of Kraft Cheese Corporation, the only investment I ever made which has paid consistently increasing dividends is the money that I have given the Lord. This is someone who knew something about business, but he said the best return has been in the kingdom. 
It's important to understand Abraham's thinking. He wasn't a taker. He was a giver. And his blessing was connected to his giving. He was, listen, he wasn't taking. He was giving what was first and what was best. There is this first and best recorded in the Bible. And I want you to see this. So here's the thing. is God has not changed. From the beginning to the end, God has not changed. The Bible says that he changes not. Okay, so that's important to understand because here in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9, it says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all of your produce. Okay, honor the Lord. Here in Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 27, verse 33, look at this, I want you to see this. Every tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. Whose is it? It's the Lord's. And it is holy. Look at that. And it is holy to the Lord. If a man wishes to redeem some of his tithe, he shall add a fifth to it. In other words, if you have a month where I need to redeem some of the tithe and I can't give what I normally give, then you add more to it. That's what it says. This was the law. Okay? Look at what else it says. Every tithe of the herds and the flock and every tenth every tenth animal of all that pass under the herdsman's staff shall be holy. To the Lord. Go ahead and go to the next verse. One shall not differentiate between the good and the bad, either shall he make a substitute for it, for if he makes a substitute for it, then both of it and the substitute shall be holy as it is not to be redeemed. Here's the point. If you're looking over your first tenth, your first fruit, and you're like, this isn't that great, God says don't remove it. You can add to it because it's holy. In other words, we don't get to determine what we give because it's holy. So let's go back. In Genesis chapter 4, we see Cain and Abel. And if we don't have time to go there because you know, I know you guys are hungry. But Genesis chapter 4, verse 3, Cain and Abel are giving their offering. And it says that Abel gave the first of his flock. And Cain, in the process of time, gave what he wanted to the Lord. Here's why Cain was rejected. It's because you tried to change what was holy, and I cannot accept what's unholy. Because I am a holy God, and God actually goes to Cain and says, Why is your countenance low? I cannot change what I've determined to be holy. I need you to know that I'm not rejecting you. Actually, I love you. And if you'll give what I've asked you to give, then yours will be accepted too because I don't have favorites. Come on, does this make sense? The essence of true worship is giving God our first and our best. God isn't into leftover. Nobody wants to be on a team that's not giving their best. Come on. Have you ever played with somebody and they're loafing? Have you ever played cards, Catan, anything? And, and you're like, everybody else is trying to win and they're like, it's just a game. No, it's not. <laughs> you're at the wrong house. <laughs> it's not just a game. This is life right now. Come on. 
The tithe is not a gift, it's a requirement. We don't give it because we like God. We don't give it because we like the church we're at. We pay it because it's due Him. Come on. It is blessed. The first tenth is blessed and Abram gives it to the priest and the king not to fulfill the law, but come on, to advance the kingdom. Well, where does the tithe go? Here's the thing. I'm going to say this, and I know that we are in a transient culture, so you may think if you're here for the first time, I'm saying this because it benefits me, but I'm saying it because it benefits you, because if you're under 35, you're probably going to move three more times. But I'm just going to say this. The tithe goes to the local church. Galatians chapter 6, verse 6. Look at this. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Okay? Wherever you're planted and wherever you're growing and wherever your family is growing and wherever your wife and your husband and your kids and your family, wherever they are growing, that is where we sow. That doesn't mean that we don't give offerings to other places. Absolutely we do. Katie and I have three or four ministries that we support, not even through the church. But the truth of the matter is, this is where we sow because we're trying to take, we're trying to take territory for the kingdom. Does that make sense? We don't, we don't want to be a church that lives on 3%. We want to see things happen. And the church, for years, people have said, well, what is the church doing? And the truth of the matter is, I don't know a lot of churches that aren't doing all they can. But there is, Jesus said there will always be more need than there is resources. Jesus said that. He said those in need you will always have. But what we've got to do as a church is, what can we do? What can we do with foster homes? There's a group right now called the Heart, what, what is it called? HeartWorks. And we want to begin to partner with them more. And what they do is they supplement for all the people who do foster care and, and, and they help. There are things that we can do that help. And, and the truth of the matter is that's, that's, that's one outside the walls. But for us here, we're training leaders and mentors and, and, and putting families back together. Uh, I'm just saying God's doing something all the time. And so there's probably more happening here than you even know. But you begin to trust that there are trees being planted, and they're producing fruit. Here's the thing. The third point is giving is how you build your next phase of life. And I need to tell you something. Do you want, if you were sitting here and we, we were talking about marriage and you were having an issue with lust, I would ask you this. Uh, I wouldn't condemn you on how it got there. I wouldn't be frustrated with you that you're dealing with it. But I would say, are you willing to give it up to save your marriage? If we were dealing with forgiveness issues and every relationship seemed to implode and we began to talk and found out that there was a parent in your life or an uncle or someone in your life that really um, crossed boundaries and crossed lines. And I ask you, hey, listen, your forgiving them doesn't um, take them off, uh, does not uh, redeem what they've done. 
They all have to stand before the Lord on that. But your forgiveness of them will take the, the, the hurdle off your own life. Will you forgive them? Well, you'll have to surrender. And if I said, hey, listen, in the area of your giving, if you want to move to the next level, would you be willing to reprioritize some things in your life and get on a budget and say no and cut up some credit cards and, and stop eating and overextending yourself and stop being in places where you're trying to keep up with the Joneses and you're actually living to impress people that don't care? See, the truth of the matter is there's a lot of heart in this. Here's my fourth point is this, and we're going to close up with this. God is the one who brings the increase in your life. I love that Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I'm not looking to have you make me. Come on, we need to talk about this for five seconds if we can. The Bible teaches us that he will bless obedience. He will bless obedience and obedience, submission, authority, all of those are negative words in our society. But the church can't lose those even if, listen, we've been under some leadership before in our life that misappropriated, come on, broke some things. We've all experienced some of that at some level. But I don't say I'm giving up on fathers because there was a bad one. And I don't say that I'm giving up on mothers because there's a bad one. God's way is God's way. And he's not asking and he's not consulting our feelings about it. He's asking for our, come on, listen, obedience. Abram didn't have to take Lot's possessions in order to advance it life. Abram didn't have to steal from the king of Sodom in order to, to get where he wanted to go. Abram didn't have to allow his victory, listen, to change his humility. I'm so glad that some of you are winning financially, but have you changed? Has money changed you? You were so much more approachable before you got that office. And we, no matter what season that we're in, if we are struggling to make it, and maybe there, there is, my, and my mom, uh, when my parents got divorced, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a time and a season in our culture where, where women just didn't run the budget. And I remember her going back to school, and she just did not know how to manage finances. It was very hard for her. We lived in low-income housing. We were on WIC and food stamps. We lived for Friday night. Come on, got paid on Friday. TGIF, ice cream, pizza, every, all of it. And then by Saturday, we were broke. And I'm not, I'm not being critical. I'm just saying that that, that was her. She, she learned. She, she, she had to start over. And she didn't ask to start over in her 40s. She just had to. And so I don't know why you're where you're at, but I am telling you that God doesn't leave people, listen, where they're at. And if you will surrender to him, I don't know how far you can go. That's not on me. But I'm telling you that if you will keep saying yes to the Lord, yes to the Lord, yes to the Lord, then you will be surprised at where you end up. And I hear the same thing 
no matter what it is, because here's the deal. It's an area of being uncomfortable. That's what it all boils down to. I need to talk to all the business owners in the room. Yes, you have to make wise decisions. And yes, you should learn from other people. But you don't have to take that contract to make it. You don't have to cut corners. Come on, listen to me. In order to, to, to feed your family, God is the one that brings the increase. And Abraham knew, I can give it all away and God will bring it back to me. Genesis chapter 15. Genesis 15 verse 1. After Abraham had done what he did, did gave after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram and said in a vision, Fear not, I am your shield and I am your reward. And come on, I don't know about you, but I believe that some people in this place want a shield around them. I believe there are some people that want to live for a reward and we're not going to act like they don't exist. Come on. There's a shield. He's our strong tower. He's our defense against the enemy. Malachi 3.10 says this. Go ahead and put this up there. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse. The storehouse is where you're growing. It's the local church. That there may be food in my house and thereby be put to the test. Listen, of the Lord of hosts, you can put me to the test. It says, test me that I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you cannot contain. Here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to let the Lord be your shield, to let him be your great reward. And as we wrap up today, if you were going to ask me what is the biggest stronghold right now in the church in America is we have submitted to materialism and it is, it is eroding the family because we need to sustain our current level of living so we compromise. That is always the result of withholding. Does this make sense? And so I realized, come on, I, I know. You're like, what are you talking about next week? Talk about something different next week? Absolutely. But, but I, I am convinced that this is a spiritual threshold. And I'm called to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And so I, there are days that I want you to leave ready to run through the wall. And there are days that I want you to go home and cry. Not because you're abused, but because, God, oh man, I've, I've missed it. I've, I've missed what? I've missed it. But I know you're good. Thank you for that. We are in a building campaign. Some of you are like, oh, see, I knew that that was the point. We talk about money every November and have and for the last five years. This is just our season to do that. Um, and I just want to let you know, for those of you that are house family, that are people, we are asking in front of you our commitment cards. If you'll take one out, go ahead and take one out. Take a commitment card out if you got it. We have There's under your floor. Go ahead and take that out. You can look at it. You can give it back. You can put it, leave it in your seat when you're done. But go and take it and look at it. And here's what we're asking people to do. We're asking people to give above their tithe to pray. Right now we have a family devotional going. Uh, we did it last night with all of our kids. 
and all of our family is getting involved. And so we're asking for you to pray to bring this back next week and put it in the offering buckets. And it's going to start in January. From January to September, we are asking our church to commit over the tithe. And because we were building a new facility off of Olive Street, and I believe that all of us can advance what God is doing, okay? Not, we're not look, leaning on one person to get it done, but we are thinking that all of us can be a part of this, okay? And so I'm asking you to pray, and I'm asking you to make a commitment. Then I will take this, uh, look, and let me just say, this is a commitment card. It's not an accountability card. I'm not calling you every day. Uh, I'm not going to call you at all. It's between you and the Lord. So put down something that you feel like God tells you. And I'm just asking you to ask God, okay? Then um, we will collect all of this, and we will let the bank know. Uh, we have $1.4 already set aside for the build-out. We have about $450,000 that we're raising. And so um, we're trying to come up with that amount. On December the 5th, we will have our Heart for the House offering. And this is when this year we will all come and give one sacrificial offering. And we believe that we are going to be able to purchase some of the depreciable items so we don't have to finance those. And so we, this is how we are going to move forward. And so I'm asking you to be a part of that. And I know it is surrender. So let me just say this. Let me just, let me just say this. We don't go to church only just for community. It's a huge part. We got to meet in people's homes. We got to know each other. People want to be known. They're desperate to be known. But many times in the Old Testament and even in the New, there was a call for surrender. And I'm asking you to pray what God would have you do. Now, for us here today, where do you need to surrender? You know, Jesus surrendered his own life for you. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he was in this moment. I don't want to do it, but I will. And you may be in this moment. I don't want to do it, <laughs> but I will. I get it. I get it. If you, will, if you don't mind, just close your eyes. Back your hand. Close your eyes real quick. We're almost done here. Go ahead. Thank you. Hey, listen. Maybe, maybe you heard and God was ministering to you and he was like, yo, like this word was about finances, but really it was about surrender. And maybe you're here today and you need to surrender that argument. You need to surrender that fight. You need to surrender your life to Jesus like, like right now, today. Like you need to get saved. Maybe you need to surrender all of your criticisms of, 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 of church and life and whatever. Maybe you need to surrender, come on, the pain that your spouse, you guys are in turmoil right now. Come on, Father, we ask that you would move in this place. We're, we're almost done. If you're here today and you're like, you know, Pastor, there are some things that I need to surrender. Come on, just right where you're at, would you raise your hand? Come on, one, two, three. Come on, just, Pastor, there's some things I need to surrender. There's some prides. There's some hurts. There's some pains. Some things that I thought would happen that hadn't happened yet. 
And I just need to surrender those conversations that replay in my head. I just need to surrender those. Father, right now, you see your hands. God, I'm asking you to heal. I'm asking you to move. I'm asking you to deliver your people. I'm asking you to save them. I'm asking you to redeem them. Come on, you may need to repent right here from your sin. You may, need to say, you may just need to say, Jesus, I give you my life all over again. Come on, you can do work right now in the presence of God. And God, we thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name. Come on, everybody said, y'all give the Lord a hand clap. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message impacted you. Feel free to let us know on the Contact Us tab of the house website. We hope you have a great week.